Hello and welcome to the United on Wheels podcast. I'm your host, Paul Amadeus Lane. I am so happy to have you on this edition of the show. Why? We're going to be joined by the new CEO and president of the United Spinal Association, Enzo Piscopo. Wow, I can't wait to have my chat with him and find out what we have to look forward to when it comes to the organization and beyond. We're going to hear about his story too. Before we bring him on, I want to remind everyone, please go to unitedspinal.org. Go to our website there. There are so many resources. There are so many um, things that you should be aware of. If you are in business, if you are a member of the disabled community, if you are a family member, if you want to join one of our many chapters throughout the United States, you can do so. Come join us. Be a part of the movement. Be a part of our wonderful organization. All right. Without any further delay, let's do this. And I'm so happy to have with me right now uh, a man who needs no introduction. We're talking about the great Vincenzo Piscopo, President and CEO of the United Spinal Association. Mr. President, how are you? I'm doing excellent, Paul. Thank you so much for inviting me to your show. Well, Enzo, thank you for allowing me to have this show in conjunction with United Spinal because I couldn't right. do it without your blessing. So I really, really, really appreciate that, Enzo. And well, first, before we start off, um, hope you and your family are doing well and staying safe during these very difficult times. Yeah, thank you, Paul. I, I hope the same for you. Appreciate that. Well, Mr. President, welcome. Uh, United Spinal Association. Um, you've been president just for a little while. And how's it been going so far? So far, it has been going uh, amazing, Paul. I mean, this is an amazing organization uh, with a team of people that are so uh, talented and uh, and love the the, uh, the mission of, of United Spinal. So, so far, I've been blessed to be part of this organization. So, Enzo, before we get started and talk about some of the, the great things you have in store for you, United Spinal, uh, why don't you share with us how you got you got injured? Yeah, thank you, Paul. My injury was 11 years ago, and uh, it was something that happened completely unexpected, like most of the injuries are. Uh, I woke up in the in the you know woke up in the morning to go to work, and, and as I was getting ready, I felt that uh, an awful pain that actually knocked me down, and uh, and that was it. I had a herniated disc that ruptured and when it ruptured it pressed my spinal cord and created uh, the damage so i am a, a t69 uh complete paraplegic and enzo um what i wanted to talk about next is this happened when you were at coca-cola and you went from being a, an able body employee to now a disabled employee how did you navigate through the challenges and the changes? Yes, Paul, I mean, for me, that actually was uh, was a silver lining, to tell you the truth, because I was at Coca-Cola before I got injured, 
And then I continued to work for, for that great company after I got injured. So Coca-Cola was able to see me before my injury and after the injury, and they realized that the person uh, is still the same. So the value that I brought to the organization uh, did not change. Actually, I think they saw that the value actually got uh, increased after after my injury. So that was a big uh, teaching for, for Coca-Cola, but also was a, as a big teaching for me. So there, there are three things that I learned from that experience, from navigating, from not being disabled to being disabled is, one is the importance of, of education, right? Because uh, before I was injured, I had not had any uh, interaction or connection. I have not really lived with anybody that had a disability. So I was part of the stigma against people with disability, right? And, uh, and once I became, uh, became disabled, I realized how wrong uh, that stigma is. So education become a big priority for me. And not only uh, with my family, with my community, but with the company, on educating that people with disability are just the same people, people that have lives, people that have uh, dreams, people that add and, you know, can add value to communities, that add value to, to, to our communities, to society. And, uh, and, you know, we just need to learn that so that we are not uh, part of that big stigma. The other thing that I learned was, was empathy, not so much empathy for people with disabilities, but empathy to the people at Coke in the sense that, you know, because I was in their shoes, I was part of that ignorance to, you know, for lack of a better word, of not knowing or not feeling comfortable with people with disability, of not knowing how to treat them, and to an extent thinking that they're less able than, than the rest of the, of the community. Once I became, uh, injured, I realized, wow, I was like that. So I cannot, I cannot be mad at them because of that. I have to really be in their shoes because I went through that. So basically what I need to do is just breathe in uh, every time that I feel that I've been, I mean, I'm being uh, a victim of the stigma and teach them, right? You know, show them, make them comfortable so they can learn and grow to a place where they are fully uh, inclusive. So the other thing is that I realized how important it is for, for, for our communities to understand the value that people with disability bring. Because I saw it in myself, say, well, look, wait, wait a minute. I'm the same person before and after my disability. My brain has not changed. I can deliver the, the same value However, people might not see, think that because I have a disability. So I think it's very, very important that we, we, that we teach our community the fact that people with disability, they bring value to our communities and, and they are people like everybody and, and we have the same rights as everybody, but not only the same right is that including us, uh, is actually an opportunity for many. When we are more inclusive, everybody really wins. That is so true. And, and Enzo, you you talked about a, another aspect of your life, and you mentioned about about being married and your your children. How did this uh, affect the family? Because here you were, Enzo, up and around, working for Coca Cola, 
but now Enzo, now being a member of the disabled community. And Enzo, you mind sharing that with us and how your family just kind of rallied around you and, and the effect that that had on you after your, after your injury? Yes, Paul, uh, that, that's interesting because I have four kids and, uh, and each of them took it differently. But, uh, but one of the things that I feel that was very empowering for me is the fact that my kids had exactly the same expectations from me that they had before I got injured. And, uh, and it's funny because at the beginning I felt like, wow, you've been inconsiderate. Don't you see that I'm on a wheelchair? You, you, you cannot expect. But then I would say, you know what? Thank you. Thank you for doing that. Because basically she is, if my kids are demanding the same thing that they demanded from me before is because they don't see a change because they trust me. So I owe it to them, like to, to deliver as a parent. So I'm so happy that they didn't give me any slack and that they continued, you know, demanding the same thing that all the kids, that any kid would demand. I mean, they're, they're, they're very compassionate kids and all that, but they had very clear expectations with me and they didn't, they didn't lower the expectations because they knew that their dad was the same dad with the only difference that he's on a, on a wheelchair. But one story with that all is in the same thing is that my wife was another one that for me was very instrumental on continue having the same expectations and, and expecting the same from me is that I think I mentioned that story to you in a, a, another time that we talked. I remember when I was uh, doing my rehabilitation in Shepherd. I was, you know, going through the big depression, the big sadness that, that we all go through when we experience those uh, traumatic experiences. And I remember I was in my bed crying and then my wife came to my bed and say, like, bad, hey, Enzo, stop it. The things that make us happy are still intact. And that sentence, Paul, was really the, the, the sentence that marked the inflection point in the way I recover, in my recovery, because basically it made me think and introspectively think about the fact that I can make out, I can make out of this disability what I want to make. And if I want to continue my life the same way as I did is on me. There is nothing really that is stopping me to live my life to the fullest. And, and when I started reflecting on that, and, and, and with my wife's help and with my kids' help, we realized that we love traveling. So we will continue traveling, and we did. We love socializing with my friends in my house and restaurants and all that. Well. I still can do that. I love reading. Oh, good news. I still can read. So all the things that I enjoy that made me happy, they were still there. So that really was very energizing for me. And it really opened the doors of possibilities. So just to summarize, Paul, I think the role that my family had was on not lowering expectations having the same kind of, affecting the same kind of person, but also empowering me 
to really take it to, to a different level. And so we all grew as a family. And I think we all became better people. My kids became more aware of what disability, of disabilities and of inclusion and in the importance of inclusion because they saw how much it meant for me and they experienced it themselves. And also it allowed me to, to really favor, you know, enjoy every single moment in my life because it was a reminder that see, nothing has changed. You can still be happier. So now I can, every moment that makes me happy, I really devour it. I really enjoy it. And then it becomes even more, more pleasant that, than it normally is. I, I love you to share that with us, uh, Enzo, because I think this is something that we really don't hear a lot about when it comes to families and persons with disabilities. Because we, we can always share our story, but, but our family story is, is dynamic too, because I think... Uh, there may be many families out there who are struggling, who are not able to come to grips of having a family member who has a disability. And I think stories like yours and others out there can really help give, bring them uh, some comfort during this house. Thank you so much for, for sharing that. I remember you and I had a discussion a while back and you shared with me of the trust that your colleagues at Coca-Cola had when it came to you after your your disability where i think they they sent you on a trip and at first you were like should i do this should i not do that can you mind sharing that with us please enzo yeah sure and i'll tell you two stories paul that, that are very interesting in that regard i remember when i told my manager at coke that i was ready to go back to to the office and by the way, it was like a month before that then the doctor wanted me to go. But anyways, I was, I felt ready. I remember my manager, like after we had that conversation, he sent me a long email with all the things he wanted me to do and focus as soon as I got back to the office. And, and it was like, when I, when I read that email, it was like nothing had changed. I mean, he had a he's a wonderful manager, and uh, but he had a lot of demands. You make sure that you do this, make sure you focus this, make sure that you finalize this project, make sure. And I, at, at, at the beginning, I thought, man, 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 this guy is on fire. What's up with him? Doesn't he see that I just came back from a traumatic experience? And I stopped myself right there in that thought process because I thought, you know what? He is trusting you and you own it. You owe it to him that uh, to deliver and, and to show that you can do it. If he thinks that you can do it, it's because you can do it. And that for me was like, okay, bring it on. I'm ready. I'm ready. And I went there and I did it. But the other story with that, and, and that was very empowering, right? Because he, he did not doubt me. And if he doesn't doubt me, I have no reason to doubt myself. And, and that brings another topic that we'll talk later, Paul, on the importance of empowering people with disability, right? That's what my manager did at that time. He empowered me. He empowered me with his trust which I think it was very instrumental for my success. Yeah, and there's another story related to this, Paul, that was very uh, empowering for me. I remember one time, you know, as soon as I came back uh, from rehabilitation at work, that one of my dearest friends and co-worker 
uh, came to me saying, hey, listen, Enzo, I have this big project that I'm leading in Dubai, and unfortunately, I'm not able to do it anymore. I used to travel a lot for business, you know, I had to tell you before my injury. And so when I came back, she asked me if, if I could do that as a favor for her uh, to go to Dubai and manage this big training and run this big training that she was supposed to do. And I remember, Paul, when she asked that question, I had like a fast-forwarding movie going on in my brain. Oh, my God, going to Dubai, how many hours? I, you know, I'm going to be in a plane so many hours. How am I going to go to the bathroom? You know, and if I go to Dubai, I mean, is Dubai even accessible? Where the heck is Dubai? I mean, are you crazy, Clora? And all that was going on in my mind. And I don't know what happened, but the answer, that came out of my mouth was, yes, of course I will do that for you. And, uh, and after I did that, I said, oh my God, what, what did I get myself into? And uh, I did, you know, I went to Dubai. We had a couple of weeks of planning and all that. And I went to Dubai. I stayed and I don't know, it was like a 20 hour, or it felt like a 20 hour plane ride. And I went to Dubai. I got out of the plane. I went to the hotel. I went to the conference. I gave all the training that I was supposed to do. I did some sightseeing. I loved Dubai. I enjoyed And I came back and it was excellent. So that vote of trust that my dear friend Cloda, my co-worker, gave to me was so empowering and so energizing for me, Paul, because it actually showed me that there is nothing that is impossible. And what it did to me was, if I'm able to do this, it means that I can push myself a little bit more. And I tried to do something more challenging. And when I did that little thing more challenging and I was successful, I said, well, if I can do that, let me try this and that. And the big teaching was that, you know, and this is something that I tell all the folks with a disability and without a disability, for that matter, it's all in our hands. The sky is the limit. Whatever we want to do, we can do it. You might have to be, you might have to tweak it a little bit on how you get there, but it's all in our power. And, and, and that's why I'm so thankful of, of my boss at Coke, the one that, you know, the boss that I had when I came back right from, from rehab and, and my coworkers, because for them, uh, Paul, the ones that already knew me, I was the same person, the same person that came. So for them, fortunately, the wheelchair was invisible. You know, it was not, you know, was not what was relevant. You know, what was relevant for them was my heart and my brain that, that it was intact. I love that. I love that, Enzo. Having that support group, not only at home with your family, but even in your, your work with your colleagues, your bosses, uh, and no doubt that that made the transition uh, a lot easier and, and I'm so happy that not only are you surrounded from uh, surrounded at home by some wonderful people but even even at your job as well when you were at Coke and and Enzo when we look at now you being a member of the disabled community how did you become introduced uh, to United Spinal Association talk about that because before you became president and CEO of United Spinal Association um, you were an active member 
I found out uh, about United Spinal after I got injured, obviously, because United Spinal, it's such an amazing organization that supports people with spinal cord injury and disorders and all that. And I became a member. I started receiving the, the new mobility magazine and I loved it. I always loved the new mobility magazine. And then I loved the organization, but I, I didn't get very involved because I had a whole other bunch of things that were going on in my life to actually become very involved in the organization. But it wasn't until I, a few years ago that at Coke, I started working in community stakeholder relations, community affairs. And, and as part of my responsibility at Coke, there was the, the responsibility of managing the philanthropic relationships of the Coca-Cola company with uh, disability organizations, with veterans organizations and Hispanic organizations. And uh, United Spinal is such an amazing organization that Coca-Cola supports, right? So Coca-Cola supported United Spinal. And because I managed the relationship, I was introduced to United Spinal. It only was funny. And, and that's, it's incredible the, 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 the round that the world but I remember when I started that job at Coke uh, a few years ago that I was handle, handed a, a portfolio of organizations that Coca-Cola supports in those different spaces, and United Spinal was one of them. So as part of my work and due diligence, yeah, I started having conversations with Abby, with Jim, and, and I became very in love with that organization. And, and I was very happy that I was able from the Coca-Cola side to support the organization and to increase the support to United Spinal because I believed that the organization is an organization that was that is extremely impactful, not only for people with spinal cord injury and disorders, but also for people with disability in, in general. So it's, it's, it's so, I know, it's such a blessing, but ironic at the same time that here I am, three, four years later, um, working for, for this great organization. And, and I can tell you, Paul, I'm so happy uh, that things worked the way they worked and that now I have the opportunity to actually work uh, for United Spinal and, and continuing uh, with that. Such an amazing, powerful mission that this organization has. So Enzo, what made you want to basically leave Coca-Cola and now come to the United Spinal Association as, as CEO? What was the what was the lore to be a part of, of this fabulous organization? Hey, that's a nice question, Paul. Thank you so much for asking it. I think all the stars align themselves perfectly, right? So it was just the perfect timing. I think one of the things that, that I have experienced throughout my, since the time I got injured is that I was extremely fortunate. You know, I was very, very fortunate to have the family that I have that I worked for, for such an amazing company for, for the Coca-Cola, like the Coca-Cola company is. But at the same time, I felt that there are many people around the world that are not as fortunate as I am. So I had that need uh, to pay it forward. And, and I think United Spinal is going to allow me to, to actually pay it forward. But also, Paul, I think it's that need of that obsession to leave this world much better than I, than I found it. That is something that my parents always uh, taught me. That's something that I always teach my kids. 
And, and I think it's a big responsibility that when I leave this world, I want to feel uh, that I left it much better than, than what it was when, when I was born. And then finally, uh, Paul, is because I'm convinced of, of the huge opportunity that there is for everybody, for our community, for our world, when we empower people with disability and when we empower our community. I think it's a huge opportunity that we have right there, and I want to be part of, of that ceasing. Uh, of leveraging that great opportunity. And United Spinal came to me, this opportunity came to me at the right moment, when it was the right moment for me to leave Coke. And uh, Paul, I have no word to say, to tell you how excited I am, how thankful I am of this great opportunity. And I'm so looking forward uh, to doing great things with people like you, with people in our community in general. And so Enzo, when we look at you, you have a pretty unique perspective as CEO and president of United Smile Association. What I mean by that is you lived as an able-bodied person, not as a person with a disability, uh, a very active person. And I heard a pretty good tennis player how do you bring those perspectives to uh, to United Spinal? Paul, uh, so first of all, before I answer that question, I need to correct something for the record. I'm not good at tennis, all right? <laughs> I, I, I suck at tennis. And I want to make sure that I brought this up because I don't want any of my teammates uh, hear this and say, good at tennis? He sucks. <laughs> so, for the record, I love tennis. I enjoy tennis, but I'm a terrible tennis player. Well, Enzo, at uh, least you look good playing it. Some of the pictures, man, you look like you look like Yvonne Lindo, Beyond Borg, I mean, Federer, Pete Sampras. I mean, that's how smooth you look in those pictures. Yeah, sure. You know what? We have amazing photographers. That's what it is. But anyway, Paul, let me thank you for that question. And I'll tell you, one of my biggest focus, and it's gonna, it's like the umbrella focus as, as a CEO of United Spinal, is going to be on, on changing the narrative. Changing the narrative from begging to opportunities. And, and what that is, Paul, is that people with disability don't need charity. We need opportunities. And when we make sure as a society that we give people with disability the right opportunities, then we shine. But not only we shine, but we allow our communities to shine. We allow the government to shine. We allow corporations to shine. So yes, I mean, Giving us opportunities is also the right thing to do because, as I always say, this world belongs to us as much as it belongs to everybody else. Therefore, we have the same rights. But more than that, you know, by uh, giving us opportunity, it becomes something that gives corporations, gives community a quantifiable ROI. And Paul, I, I want to pause here for a second because I really want to make sure that I am as articulated as possible to bring this point across, to land this point. When corporations hire people with disabilities, they win for, for many, many reasons. One reason is that, you know, people with disability, because we are 
We lived in a world that was not made for us. You, this world makes us resilient, makes us perseverant, but also makes us extremely creative. Why? Because, you know, we are in problem-solving mode 24-7, right? Because from the time we wake up in the morning to the time we go to bed, we are in a constant problem-solving uh, mode, right? Because this world, as I said, is not a world that makes it very easy for people with disability. And the silver lining there is that that makes our creative muscles very fit because we are exercising it constantly. So when organizations uh, hire people with disability, you are hiring a person that is very creative because it's used to solve problems, to create solutions for, for problems. And that is a very, very valuable skill for any corporation. And you know, it runs true also for all, for any kind of minorities. Obviously, when, when you hire African American, the African American community, when it, you know, you're actually making our team, you know, from a creative solving problem perspective, you're allowing, uh, the, to bring a totally different perspective that from the from the perspective that a white person would have that an Asian person would have would have so all of those all the diversity what it's doing is bringing to the table different perspectives that make it easier to solve a problem but increases the possibility of the solution to be more innovative and that's something that organizations have to continuously uh, that, that's something that we really, really have to teach organizations, show organizations, because that allows organizations to be more innovative. And when organizations are more more innovative, you know, they're more successful. And that happens in our communities. That happens in, 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 our, in our government. So when organizations have a diverse pool, they are more, you know, the, 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 the nature of the solutions they make and, uh, and the, the, the innovation that they bring to, 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 to their products, to, to their culture and all that, it's high. And, you know, and there is, a, you know, it's higher. And there is a lot of research that, that shows that. But the other thing, uh, Paul, that is very, very important is the understanding that we bring of the consumers that we represent. And that's something that, that organizations have to learn, that have to realize, right? So if I'm a person with a disability and you want to reach people with disability, you want to be able to sell your product to people with disabilities, you need to have people with disability in your in your teams, right? Because they understand the needs of people with disability. They know how to talk to people with disability. To, uh, of, with disability, they understand the nuances of of the life of people with disability. So you will be more successful if you have people with disability in your team because you will be able to reach that market 
more successfully. And that happens also with African-American, with our black community. I mean, does it make sense to have a white person developing a product for a black person? I think it's a mess, right? Because white people will not understand even if they try, but not not for you know not for bad reason, is because that's nature. The people that best understand the needs of the African American community are the African American community. So if you want to reach African Americans, you need to have African Americans in your team, and that's something that uh, happens with people with disability uh, and and Asians and all minorities. So, so that's another thing that is very important. That, that, that we understand. And that's part of the big changing narrative that I want to make sure that, that we create. Finally, um, Paul, uh, as I talk to you know, corporations, is the understanding of corporations of the importance that people with disability are as a consumer base. We are an extremely large consumer base, not only the people with spinal cord injury, but people with disability in general. So there is a purchasing power right there. And it's true. Many, many people with disability don't have that big of, a, of a disposable income. But as a group, we are big. And as a group, there is money there to be spent in products. So when you talk to us, you get our money. But if you want to get our money, you have to make sure that you provide the right product and the right messaging. And when you do that, you not only get my loyalty, because people with disability tend to be very loyal to organizations that talk to us, but you get the, the, the loyalty of my family of my community. And I'll give you a quick example, uh, Paul. I went to, uh, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do the play here because I, I really am proud that they do that. I once went to Target. Uh, Target had a big point of sale material that had a kid on, on a wheelchair. And that had an impact not only on me, but it had an impact on my daughter. When my daughter saw that, she felt good. She said, well, look at Target. It's actually talking to my dad. It's talking to people like my dad. They deserve our uh, loyalty. She said that. So that's an example, Paul, that if you take the time as an organization to think and talk to people with disability, create products to us, you don't only get the person with disability, but you get their environment, you get their, 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 their family members and their community. And that's gold. So to summarize, as, as one of the biggest things that I will do, you know, that, that I'm very focused with, with the United Spinal is to work together to change that narrative uh, and to demonstrate that it's not about charity, it's about opportunities for all. But to be able to do that, obviously, we have to grow the organization and, you know, so that we can continue uh, providing uh, programs that will empower our members so that they can bring that great value that we bring as a community to our community, to our, to our organization, to corporations, so that selling that uh, change, you know, selling that message of opportunity 
versus a charity becomes more evident and that ROI comes back to all of us. I, I love it, Enzo. And no doubt we're looking looking forward to this. And, and something that you said that, that, that really uh, rung in my ears, it's like, you want to make sure that there's representation. If you're doing something for one segment of the population, make sure it's representation. And there's a saying, what is it? Nothing about us without us, but I'm going to change that. Nothing for us without us. You know what I mean? So it's like, make us a part of the conversation. And it seems, Enzo, that COVID has kind of accelerated this. The reason why I say that now more and more people are working from home and we as persons with disabilities We've wanted that opportunity for many years because it's hard for us to, to, to get to work because of transportation or uh, the bathroom issue, all these different things that we have to deal with. But because of this pandemic, we're starting to see that people are working from home. Hence, we have more opportunities, not a handout, but more opportunities. And Enzo, where do you think that we can strike a balance with businesses out there uh, as United Spinal Association to, to have them more businesses to come on board and, and think about things such as that. Yeah, it's funny, Paul, that you bring up the, the COVID and the pandemic uh, to this conversation, because I think the, the pandemic with all the harm that it has done to, to many, many people in our world, they, there is a little bit of a silver lining. And that, uh, you know, fortunately, I wish we didn't have to go through this to actually have that silver lining, but, uh, but it happens and we have it. And, and that silver lining is, is precisely about telecommuting and also about technology and about inclusion. And, I, and I'll tell you what I mean by that. As you said, COVID has normalized working from home. When working from home in the past, in many corporations, still was a taboo, was something that you know they didn't like, they didn't support, they didn't appreciate. Right now, what they have realized that working from home is not a big deal. It doesn't really impact the 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 revenue streams of the organization, the growth of organizations. For in the contrary, it actually uh, motivates it, right? Because it allows, it facilitates. Uh, uh, it facilitates for employees to have life uh, work balance and then it allows them to become more better parents and better employees and all that because they have more control because they, they are working from home. And that's exactly what people with disability have been claiming for many years. So right now what COVID is doing is when you have somebody with a disability asking you to allow you uh, to work from home, it will not be a big deal, right? Because they will say, well, of course, everybody's doing it. Why wouldn't you be able to do it? And and I've seen, for, you know, they will say, you know, everybody's working from home and they're bringing a lot of value. So I'm sure you will be able to bring that value uh, when working from home. So that, uh, that has been positive. And um, secondly, I think one, another silver lining, Paul, and I know you will appreciate this, is to bring to a different level the importance of inclusion with technology, right? So, you know, what technology does in general, and David has demonstrated it, is that technology uh, capitalizes on the assets 
of organizations, right? So thanks to Zoom and to Microsoft Teams and to Skype and all that, you know, thanks to that technology, when COVID came, we were ready to face it in a way that was successful. So it becomes very relevant, the importance of investing in technology. So technology for people with disability is extremely, extremely important. When we invest in technology, you are opening the doors for people with disability to be value-adding members of society, to have a, li a, li a life that that is, is very uh, successful. So what COVID has done is showing that, you know, when you invest in technology, you open it up for many, many people to live, to work from home and be productive from, from working, working from home. And when we invest on in technology for people with disability, what you're doing, you're not only uh, creating a technology that is going to facilitate my life or your life, but it's a, it's a technology that at the end will facilitate the life of everybody. You know, you, you see that with, with uh, voice activated uh, technology, right? That allows you and I and many people with disabilities have a better life, but it's also giving people that don't have a disability a better life. So it's building, it's creating that technology that makes life easier for everybody. So what, what I feel that this is doing is showing, is reemphasizing the importance of technology in everybody's life, but also reemphasizing the importance of developing technology with people with disability because that opens doors for non-disabled people. The other great thing that COVID has brought to us is that it has allowed people with disability in general to have a louder voice. And I say that, uh, Paul, because right now advocates from every corner of the world have access to advocates. And I'll give you a very specific example. In the past, you know, if you really wanted to talk, to come to, to talk to, to a congress, a con congressman or a congresswoman, you really had to set up an appointment and go to their offices and do your advocacy. And now they are becoming more, uh, more flexible and you can do virtual calls. You can advocate, uh, through, through Skype, through Zoom, through, through Microsoft Teams. So if I live in Wichita, Kansas, and I don't have access to go and see a health representative because, because I cannot get out of my house, now that door is being opened to me and it's been opened to many, many people to actually have a voice in the places that uh, you need a voice, uh, you need your voice to be heard. But also from a training perspective, from a, from a, a, a training development, you know, from a development perspective and all that. For example, in the past, I, there are many people that c could not come to the Roland Capitol Hill that United Spinal does. Right now, when we think about doing it virtual, you know, and there, you know, there is very, very likely that we will do it virtual this year. We're giving the opportunity to many people across the country 
to actually have a voice and advocate. We're giving the opportunity to many people uh, that couldn't do it to go to a conference that they would not be able to go, go otherwise because of technology is, allow, is allowing that. And that's an opportunity that people with disability across the country have to seize, that you know, they have to take advantage of that. I love it, Enzo. You know, man, you have just given us some valuable information about what we have to look forward to uh, with United Spinal Association and other things. We really, really appreciate it. And so uh, before I let you go, is there anything else out there you'd like to, to share with, with the members, one listening, one's watching, uh, just about um, any other things we have to look forward to? I mean, you gave us so much. Anything else? Uh, you know, the first thing that I want to say, and this message is mostly for for our community, is that we are all in this together. So this we are a very, very strong community. We are a community that can lead, that can move mountains, and and I'm very excited to to work with each of of you to really move those mountains that will make it a better world for all. So that's a, you know a, a big big message for for all our community. But the other thing that I that I want to say, uh, Paul, is that to all people with spinal cord injury and disorder is to join uh, United Spinal, join the movement, join us, right? Because the, there is a lot of value to numbers. The more people that are part of the United Spinal Association, the stronger we are as an organization, the stronger is our voice when we are advocating for people with spinal cord injury and disorder. And also the better, the easier is for us as an organization to understand the most pressing needs uh, of our community and address them together. And, and for, for corporations, I wanna invite all corporations that happen to see this podcast to join us, to, to join us, uh, we wanna join you I want you corporations to join us so that together we can fight in this journey uh, of inclusion because it's not only the right thing for all, but it's a very smart thing for you corporations, right? Uh, everybody wins and we can help you uh, leverage that gold mine that the people with disability community bring to corporation. And finally, Paul, um, you know, next year is going to be a very special year for United Spinal because we celebrate our 75th anniversary, 75 years changing the lives of people with, with spinal cord injury and disorder. So there is a lot to celebrate. We have an amazing team planning a lot of great things for our community, for corporations and all that. Uh, to show how strong and how powerful our community is. So stay tuned, join us, and the next year is going to be an amazing year. It's going to be a big celebration for us that, that is going to be fun and, and impactful and meaningful for everybody in our community. So stay tuned and, and you'll see. I love it. I love it. And Enzo, it's been real great talking to you. And, and do me a favor, please give your wonderful family a, a hug from us uh, for them being there for you, allowing you to 
do uh, many of the things that you've been able to do and, and really being that, that support, you know, for you, you know, in your career post-injury. And we really appreciate all that they do and all that you do too as well. And so thank you so much. Great catching up with you. Paul, thank you so much. And thank you, Paul, for, for the amazing work that you do for us at United Spinal uh, Association. I mean, we are so lucky and fortunate to have you in our team. And, and I'm really looking forward to, to continuing working with you. It's Paul, really Thank you. And thank you, everybody, for, for listening. Yeah, it's really, really my honor and privilege. And so thanks. Once again, the amazing Enzo Piscopo enjoyed my chat with him and looking forward to some great things with United Spinal Association. And it's really an honor for me to be a part of that great organization, the, the tag group that I'm a part of, uh, the host of United on Wheels and, and other things that I'm able to do with the organization. It's really like a dream come true with me. When I got injured 27 years ago, I heard of the United Spinal Association, but I had no idea that I would be a part of it. It's pretty awesome. Remember, you can be a part of it too. Go to unitedspinal.org, find out some of the great things that we have to offer, the resources, and just keeping you up to date uh, when it comes to uh, the many issues that affect our communities and caregivers too. Make sure you check that out in family members. All right. Until next time, talk to you later.